You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so does not cost you a single penny and ensures you never miss another episode. Before we kick off tonight's show, I did want to tell you about one of our great podcast series that we are currently running. You know, as it is the offseason, we decided to put together a really cool top 50 NHL players list. Who are this season's top 50 players? Find out on the Locked On NHL podcast. Joe DiBiase, Mike DiStefano, and Rachel Donner reveal the top 50 players as voted on by our local experts all across the Locked On NHL network of podcasts. Subscribe to the Locked On NHL podcast on YouTube and turn your notifications on so that you never miss another episode. That actually is part of tonight's subject material. I thought I would talk about picks uh, 50 through 41. I kind of just read that in reverse order because, well, I don't know, that's the way it seems more appropriate. You start from the bottom and work your way up. I've alluded to, uh, in previous episodes, thinking that this list was going to be pretty controversial. I couldn't leak it ahead of time, and of course, we still have several weeks of additional picks being revealed. Um, On tomorrow's episode, we'll go through uh, picks number 40 through 31. But before we talk about picks 50 through 41, I did want to talk a little bit about some updates from around the league. We have some interesting contracts that have been handed out, mostly by one particular team, the New York Islanders. I think this is a squad most people were waiting for news from because they have quite a few free agents and they're one of the last teams that just, for whatever reason, hadn't really filed the the paperwork or the final contract stuff to actually formalize the new deals on their free agents. We'll start off with the uh, the team with the most signings. That is, the uh, of course, the Islanders I was just talking about. They signed goaltender Ilya Sorokin for three years at around $4 million per season, which it's an interesting gamble. If you think Sorokin is really one of your long-term starters, I guess that contract value is pretty decent. I think the biggest thing with Sorokin is that like most goalies, he doesn't really have like a particularly long body of work, right? So you're really betting that the next couple of seasons, he's going to be at least NHL caliber. I think that that's, it's not like a really bad gamble, I guess. Um, the term is a little short if you want to make it, which I feel like if you're going to commit to a, a guy like Sudokin, maybe adding one more season wouldn't have been terrible. But with the Islanders, I do kind of understand why they would want to keep things short. They're the kind of team that doesn't really have the luxury of putting considerable amounts of cap space over long periods of time. I think that's something that we're going to see over the next couple of contracts. But this next one is, is a little bit different, right? They resigned Casey Zizekas for six years at $2.5 million. Now, I know the, the term I was just saying they wanted to keep down for most of their players, but they kept Zizekas on for six years because it really kept down his average annual value. The The cap hit itself is, like, very movable. You maybe keep Zizekas around for, like, I don't know, three to four years. He anchors your third or fourth line, and that makes him fairly valuable to the Islanders on the current contract. I don't think it's like a great, great deal. You know, it is a little bit long, but of course this is sort of like the Nashville school of thinking where you sign guys who are are more like depth players, even if they might be considered pretty productive or skilled in their roles. It's still a contract for like a bottom six guy, but you pay not a whole lot out of pocket, but you do it over a long period of time. 
It gives you flexibility elsewhere, and you don't have to worry about signing another depth player to replace him. I can't say that this model has a lot of evidence for being particularly successful, because, you know, Nashville itself, we've sort of seen them decline, and they really haven't been able to fill a lot of the roster gaps, especially in scoring. But it's like, whatever, you know? It's one of those contracts where you just don't really care, I guess. Um, and I think most Islanders fans are going to be satisfied with it, considering the alternatives. Um, but of course, the contracts that really do matter, aside from Sudokin, is Anthony Beauvillier and Kyle Pomeri. Beauvillier has been re-signed for three years, a little over $4 million per season, like 4.2-ish, I would say. And this contract is going to be a little bit frustrating for Isles fans because Beauvillier has been one of their top scorers and, and offensive forces, but this contract doesn't really lock him down for particularly long, and I can imagine that a lot of Islanders fans will be sweating out when he needs his next deal. The thing with Bo is I'm not really sure you want to sign him to like a mega contract either, right? I think he's very skilled at what he does, but I kind of have him in this tier of player where, in the right scenario, if you shelter him with a center who can be like a more dominant possession driver and somebody that can control the ice, Bavillier is a great attacker. So, he definitely has considerable value in a scoring role, but if you're asking him to do more than that, I don't know if he's the kind of player that you just want to commit a ton of cash to. I think three years for the contract price that they're getting him at, just a bit over four mil, is going to be decent value for the uh, for the duration of his contract. I think long term, of course, the Islanders want to figure out if he's somebody that they should commit to. I, I personally am a little bit on the fence, and by the time his contract ends, I don't think he's going to be super young either. But, like, priority number one right now for the Islanders is keeping the core together, and that's kind of what they're trying to do. Even if it's not for forever, they at least extend the window for as long as they can. And, again, I think they're kind of past the ability to really compete, but they're still going to try and keep it together. They've got some other guys uh, locked up long-term, like Paggio. Now they've got Sezikis. Sudokin's got a little bit of term. Beauvillier does too. And now they also have Kyle Palmieri back for four years at $5 million per season. You can kind of see that they have signed everyone for about three to four more seasons for the most part. That seems to be the window they expect to be playoff competitive for the next couple of years, which I think is an okay assumption. You know, a lot of their players are, are certainly starting to get older. They have some defenders who have definitely aged out. Nick Letty has kind of like fallen off a cliff. And while they do have guys like Pulak and Pelik, and, and Pelik is certainly signed for a long time, Pulak's going to be coming up soon. I think his extension is going to be the kind of contract that does give them a decent amount of heartache, and the likelihood he hangs around is, is going to be difficult for them to fit, because he's not the kind of player that you want to commit like $8 million for eight years or something like that. I don't know that he's the kind of player you also want to do like a really short-term, maybe like 3 to $4 million deal either. He seems to be the kind of player that you look at more like, like a second-pairing contract with, maybe four by four and a half or something like that. Palmieri's deal is fine. I don't hate it. I, I think he's a productive scorer, even if his best days are probably behind him. I think if you imagine him to be productive for at least two to three more seasons, it makes his cap hit movable after that if you need to retain salary. I think he's still going to be capable I know that the Islanders are kind of desperate to keep everyone together. I think that's their biggest goal. They've kind of accomplished that. I don't think any of the deals are, like, super surprising. Sudokin might be the one that's a little bit surprising, but otherwise, I mean, it's fairly standard business for Uncle Lou. He's not going to make any crazy deals for the most part. He still loves to sign at least one depth player to, like, an infinity years on a contract here and there, but if that is the bulk of your free agent signings, I, I could see the Islanders doing worse. They could have done something wild like the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes just did, offer sheeting Jesperi Kakaniemi from the Montreal Canadiens, and we'll talk about that and what that means for the Carolina Hurricanes and for the Habs in just a moment. Before then, though, I thought you should hear a little bit about why BetOnline.ag should be the only place you do your online betting. 
When it comes to the wild, wild west of online betting, you need to know that there's a safe, reliable name that you can trust every single time. That's why you should put your trust in BetOnline.ag. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action coming up. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. Go to the website or use a mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. For brand new customers using promo code NFL100, they can take advantage of their opening day super promo where you can make a bet on Thursday, September 9th, the season opener between the Super Bowl champ Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. Even if you lose, you'll be refunded up to $25 on your wager. What's not to love? From football, basketball, boxing, and more, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. And as always, don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your 100% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV all together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract whatsoever. So get rid of that clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Compatible with device required. Content varies by package. Go to DirecTV.com for more information. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look at some uh, transactions and things, some of which have raised a few eyebrows throughout the NHL world. We saw, of course, the New York Islanders doing their whole bevy of, of signings and free agent extensions. Nothing too crazy with their signings, but... What the Carolina Hurricanes then decided to do actually did catch quite a few people off guard. They have offer sheeted Yespedi Kakaniemi for around $6 million at one year. This offer sheet was actually accepted by Kakaniemi, and if you ask me, I think this would actually make sense for the Habs just to let him go. You know, get some assets in return. Kakaniemi, I actually like him quite a bit, but I feel like his stint with Montreal never really materialized into, like, the elite top six center that they were hoping. And at the price tag that Montreal would have to match, I don't really think that Kotkaniemi is particularly worth it. So in this respect, I think Montreal would be wise to just let everything go, take the assets, and move on. For the Hurricanes, I don't really know why they would do this. If you're going to burn an offer sheet and piss somebody off, I feel like you would actually target a really good player. It's not like Kotkaniemi doesn't have potential to be a very good center, but it sounds like this move was actually more Tom Dundon than it was the uh, the front office. And if Dundon really was the uh, the ringleader on this one, I don't know why he would do this. It just, for me, it's very strange. It's kind of posturing, uh, a bit of noise making, but it also would rub people the wrong way. I know that uh, pulling Kakaniemi out of Montreal probably doesn't make the Habs particularly happy. Sure, you know, he does get a big raise, and it's certainly not something that they would have wanted to match, but that's an NHLer that they will now have to replace, which is kind of a pain. I just feel like if you're going to push to make some noise and, and certainly burn some goodwill at the NHL level, this is probably not the player that I would waste that on. You know, make a move on an offer sheet for somebody who's truly worth it. They can almost guarantee that somebody's going to make an offer sheet against them in the near future. And it's like, was was pissing off people and doing this with Kotkaniemi really worth it? Not only did you lose assets, you also got a player who's 
he's he's decent, right? But he's not somebody that you're really running home and getting excited about. Again, I think Kakaniemi does actually have some NHL value, but it's not at the level where I look at this and think the assets that they're giving up and the goodwill that they've burned was really worth it. Somebody will come to, to offer sheet somebody from Carolina, and it's probably going to be a better player. On a less controversial note, but also somewhat still surprising, Colton Pareko has resigned for eight years at around $6.5 million per season, which... You know, a couple of years ago, I probably would have been pretty high on. I feel like Pareko has sort of fallen off, and I don't know if that's a product of him individually not being as good as he used to be, or if maybe the Blues just aren't that great. Either way, this contract is basically asking for, like, first pairing performance, and I'm not really sure Pareko is at that level anymore. I don't think the cap hits, like, crazy crazy, but it's also not great either. Six and a half million, you're probably looking for somebody to be at least a number two on your first pairing, right? If not a number one, but... Pareko, over the past couple of seasons, he's paced at more of like a second pairing defender, which, yeah, eight years at six and a half million probably does make the eyes water a bit. I still have hope that at some point he will recover, but, you know, he's not young anymore, and maybe he really has lost a step somewhere. I think he does have some ability to contribute, especially offensively, but if the rest of his game has declined, yeah, it could be a rough contract in the uh, next couple of seasons. And it's signed for eight years. That in and of itself is probably um, one of the biggest risks involved with this. It's the kind of contract where you're kind of like eh, a little bit on the fence. At the other end of the spectrum is Ailey Tovanen signing for three years at around 1.7 to 8 million per season, which I feel is pretty darn good value if you're looking for a guy who can be potentially like a 40 to 50 point player and actually provide a, a significant scoring boost to your team. I think Tovanen actually does this for Nashville. He's one of those guys that has taken a bit of a circuitous route towards the NHL. I think the uh, the adjustment from the KHL and especially that first rookie season that he had with Jokic to the, uh, the AHL level and ultimately the NHL level, it's been a bit of a rough ride. But if the last season was an indicator of, you know, potentially what he might do for Nashville going forward, he looks like he could be a, a natural 20 to 25 goal scorer and maybe pot around 20 to 25 assists. If you get like a 40 to 50 point player for the next couple of years at, you know, a little over the salary of your average fourth line player, I mean, that's pretty darn fantastic value. And he's young. So Nashville can kind of get a sense of where Tovanen is. Maybe he's the kind of player that you lock up long term. Maybe once he hits 25 or so, you start to think about moving his rights. But either way, this is probably one of the few things that I think Poyle has done right. In general, I feel like the past couple of seasons from him have been pretty poor, but if you're looking at Tovanen as potentially your Arvidsson replacement, not bad business at all. That actually does it for most of the uh, important contract extensions and free agent signings that I think are worth mentioning. In just a moment, we'll start uh, some of our analysis from the top 50 list of our NHL players as voted on by the Locked On NHL Network, and we will go from picks 50 up to 41. Before then, though, I thought you should know a little bit about why rockauto.com is your best spot for all your auto part needs. There are literally thousands and thousands of vehicles out there, and it's really hard for auto parts stores to keep up stocking parts, accoutrements, and everything in between. You might stand in line for 15, 20, maybe even 30 minutes waiting for your chance to buy the part that you need and you find out they don't even have it in stock. If you want to save time and money, then just go to rockauto.com instead. They're a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry. Their easy-to-use intuitive website allows you to sort by make, year, and model of your vehicle and then set a price range filter so you always get the parts that you need at the prices you want. Whether you need a new engine control module or a floor mat replacement, rockauto.com is sure to have what you need in stock. And best of all, you could save anywhere from 20, 30, even 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. So why shop anywhere else? 
Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Built Bar is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. Built Bar often releases very special limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good. So stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. Built Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are taking a look now at the list of uh, top 50 NHL players. And, uh, of course, the bottom of this list has actually been revealed um, on the Locked on NHL podcast itself. So check that out if you want to hear more about the rankings. But I thought I would give some of my thoughts on this list, and starting with pick number 50, we have Max Pacioretty, which for me, Pacioretty is not better than either of Nikolai Ehlers, Andrzej Kopitar, Taylor Hall even, Sean Couturier. I mean, it it gets close to being like 10 or 12 players that I would easily rank above Pacioretty on this list, and I, I don't know actually how he got voted in this high. I think the average ranking or something was like 45.8, so it is a bit surprising to see him this high. Of course, we, we ranked it based on, you know, if you have like a partial vote average, right, you rank that in order, and then it goes into more discrete values, and that's why Pacioretty ended up at 50th overall, which... For me, it's crazy. He's probably not a top 50 player. A couple of years ago, like, well, maybe more than a couple, I, I might have agreed, but Pacioretty at this stage of his career, no way. Then we've got Ryan O'Reilly, which I think O'Reilly in my mind is still too low. Continually, he seems to be really undervalued by a lot of voters and by a lot of fans. I, you know, a lot of people seem to know that he is an elite center, but for some reason, he just never seems to crack like a top 40 even which is nuts because he's still an elite offensive center and actually just one of the most elite playmakers in the NHL today. And even even in his age where he's he's definitely moving past his prime, he's still an amazingly effective player. So I'm surprised he's this low. But then, you know, the guy above him is Pierre-Luc Dubois, which for me is crazy. I don't know how PLD could even possibly get into the top 50 list. And I say this as somebody who enjoys Dubois' game. He is nowhere near like a top 50 NHLers list, which is, is it's just mind-boggling considering the exclusions that we have. Like, Sean Couturier is somehow not on the top 50 list. Neither is Kyle Connor, Andre Kopitar, Alex Dabrinkit, Nikolai frickin' Ehlers. But PLD somehow made it uh, a little bit strange. And then at 47, we have Aaron Ekblad, and this one I don't actually hate a ton. I think Ekblad's actually a very good defender, and his resurgence over the past year or so, it's been noticeable, so I feel like it's maybe a little bit higher than I would rank him. I would probably have him in like the near-miss category, but in terms of being ranked at the bottom of this list, I think it's fine. Then we have Chris Letang, and I don't really know how I feel about this one. Letang, for me, is probably still... A decent defender, you know, someone who has like a lot of power play value at even strength. He can still be at least a nice transition guy and and certainly has a decent shot. But in terms of his on ice impact, I don't really rank him in the top 50 anymore. Again, several years ago, maybe, but these days, not really. 
And then at 45, we have Philip Grubauer. And Grubauer, no, I'm sorry, just no. I know that he had like a Vesna finalist role, but he's just not that great. I think if you put him on like a more average team, he's going to be what he is, which is an average netminder. And I just don't really know why he got, you know, such high voting. I think maybe his, you know, on ice numbers for the Colorado Avalanche maybe obscured his actual performance levels. He's not a bad goalie by any stretch of the imagination, but I think people are maybe thinking a little too highly of his actual performance. And then the guy above him is also kind of in the similar boat. It's John Carlson from the Caps. And yeah, I mean, Carlson, he's he's an all right top four defender. He's just not top 50 good. And I feel like if you're taking a look at the league's top 50 players, Carlson would probably make it on a proper top 100 ranking, but not a top 50. I, I just don't see it. And Johnny Goudreau, I, I think, is another player who is... Um, He's a little bit high for me. I think 43 overall might be a little bit more than I would have him at this stage of his career. I think a couple of years ago, I probably would have had him pretty highly, but, you know, Gaudreau has probably declined a bit over the past couple of seasons. I don't know that it's entirely his fault, but if you look at the names that were excluded on this top 50 list, I just don't know if he would actually get in over any of them. That is especially true once we get to Kirill Kaprizov, who was above Goudreau and Carlson, ranked at 42nd overall. Kaprizov is very fun to watch and an enjoyable player, but again, not really a top 50 NHLer for me. This is a guy who I think scores a lot of really fancy goals, but his overall on-ice impact, and especially at his age, it's a little bit more modest than maybe people realize. I think because he plays for a team that doesn't consistently score a lot of goals maybe Kaprizov's contributions are a little bit overstated and again he's like an amazingly fun player but in some ways he kind of has that Kyle Connor thing going on where his on-ice impact is probably limited to one end of the ice and maybe he was riding a bit of a high shooting percentage so yeah maybe top 100 good but not top 50 good now the guy who got into 41st overall is Miro Heiskinen and I think Heiskinen might actually be a little bit lower on this list than I would like him to be. Kind of in the same way that I look at O'Reilly and, and think that he's like a monster on the ice, Heiskinen is too. I'd probably push him up further a bit than some of the guys who are currently ranked above him. He just earned a huge contract extension and it's very uh it's very deserved. He's been, you know, probably their their top defender for the Stars and it's not like that's saying nothing either. It's a pretty high bar to clear especially when Klingberg has been there for several years and was at his very peak one of the top right-handed defenders in the NHL. Heiskanen seems to be a monster in his own right and it'll be interesting to see if he continues to take that mantle and improve. I think we've probably seen more or less what Heiskanen is going to be for most of his prime career year, so I would expect him to continue to be a dominant number one defender. We'll see if that changes at all, but I would probably put him between 30 and 40, somewhere in that range, less so at the bottom here with uh, 41 to 50. On our next episode, we'll take a look at the spots directly above Heiskanen, starting from pick 40 and moving on to pick 31. And then, you know, we'll get some thoughts on those. Maybe uh, you agree with these rankings. Maybe you do them differently. Be sure to let me know what you think of our rankings at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's podcast, though, that will do it. Before you log off, don't forget to check out the Locked on Bets podcast because betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your favorite media. And as always, thanks for listening, have a great night, and go Jets go!